This is a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. Go to allthews.3cr.org.au. The 3CR Gardening Show is coming to you today from the Woi Wurrung Nation. We acknowledge the Wurundjeri people as the traditional owners of this land. We recognise the practices of care and cultivation of the land and waters by the First Peoples and pay our respects to their elders past and present. Wherever you are and wherever you garden, we encourage you to know whose land you're on. Listeners, you are tuned in to the 3CR Gardening Show for the last live show of 2023. Good morning, good morning, good morning. I am Chloe Foster bringing some Christmas cheer and with me this morning bringing the cheer as well is John Arnott, Manager of Horticulture at Royal Botanic Gardens, Cranbourne Gardens, Chloe Thompson, Sprout School and Been There Dug That, and Ben Brooker of Treasured Perennials Nursery. Thank you, guys. Good morning. Good morning. Morning. Good morning. Bright this morning coming in. I was yeah. worried that I'd slept in <laughs> yeah, an hour or something. <laughs> I thought we're coming up to the longest day of the year. Yeah, right. There we go. That's yep. why. And I did. I felt a bit rushed this morning, so maybe that was it. My brain was telling me I was late, even though I wasn't. <laughs> yeah. And can you believe that it's the last show for 2023? Oh my god! I know. How did Same. that happen? This year Too has quick. flown. Has flown. Yeah. Has flown. Twenty twenty three. Twenty twenty three. Let's do a bit of reflection. <sighs> Gardening. <laughs> I mean, we don't have to go into a, a psychology session. Yeah, that's yeah right. I know. Yeah. A bit of uh, self help. Twenty twenty three. Well, what were some what were some successes and failures that you guys had in your gardens this year? Oh. I'm not really sure, actually. Thinking about stuff that I've got growing and, you know, loving in my garden. I haven't done a huge amount of planting in 2023, to be honest. In fact, I've probably been more focused on other people's gardens with the work that I've been doing. So, yeah, I might let you boys go first, I reckon. Olives. We brined olives for the first time. Like, we've got a buckets of buckets of, of two plants, two, you know, three, five, probably five-year-old plants. Um, and we probably got a four-litre bucket in, in reality from, from, from that, and we brine them. Mm. Um, we're starting to eat them. They're going to be prezies for folks for, for Christmas. Beautiful. They're really good. Yep. Yes. Like, they, they are really good. And it, has it – oh, sorry. Has it taken you a while to get it right? Well, this is the brining? first time that we've ever done it. Oh. Um, 
and I, I sort of Googled it, but I didn't go to a, to a consistent site. So I just kept getting all this conflicting advice. Yeah. And, uh, and, you know, maybe the, uh, the sum of the parts in terms of information that, that came through. But they are really good. Like, really good. Well done. Yeah. I'm impressed. Did you, was it a, a simple salt solution? Salt solution, change it every couple of weeks for, uh, in the first instance, and then we'll let them sort of brew in the salt for about four months, five months. Okay. So That's a long time. Long time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but we just, and we had them in sort of big jars and we would just put them into smaller hermetically sealed jars, as it were, because what? we put them in warm. But, okay. um what variety of olives? I have no idea. So were they already in the garden? No, no, there? we purchased them, but I think okay. we just got them from like a market or somewhere. Like that. Okay. I mean, it would have had a label on it that said, yeah. that said something, but um, I don't know. Mm. They're smaller than Kalamatas, but they're not like the Mount Zero ones small. So they're not big. Mm. Um, but we 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 picked them when they were green, and we picked them when they were you know approaching the darkening and then black, and they're all good. Well Pro- probably the green ones are the best ones. Yeah, really. Yeah. Well done, John Arnott. It's very pleased. Gold star. So that's 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 <laughs> our um, that's our achievement in terms yep. of produce. Yeah. Um, yeah, olives, brining olives for the first time. Yeah, no. Menzanello and Hardy Mammoth are the, my favourite. Okay. Yeah, because they're the nice large. Green ones, yeah. Mm. Oh, you can get them when they're black, but when they're green is yeah. when they're at their best. Yeah, yeah sure. When you're brining the, those two varieties, yeah. And then when you brine them, then you can actually put them in like a, a solution of oil and in other herbs and all that, and sort of really flavour them as we, well. Which so, is which is what we did yeah. in the, in, in the yeah. last in the last uh, step. We you know we, mm. we we did put them into a sort of an oily, mm. vinegary, herby mm. mix. You've mm. been in that garden for a few, quite a few years now. Was this the first decent harvest of olives that you've had? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It was in my, in in my life. Yeah. <laughs> in, in, in my horticultural career. Yeah. Geez, I'm leaving it late. Fruit every second year. I'm just wondering if your two trees obviously have fruited well in the same year. They did. Yeah. 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 And we've consequently pruned them back to a frame. Yeah. Um, so we probably going to get fruit for a couple of years, but the regrowth was remarkable. Mm. Um, like literally chopped them back. I called in to the show and asked the question. Oh, did you? <laughs> or oh, no, I think I anonymously texted. Oh, I love it. <laughs> no, I did. I anonymously texted it uh, saying, you know, would it be okay if I put him always back really hard? And I think it was Evan Gorky who yeah. said, yeah, go for it. Yeah. yeah, go for it. So I did with confidence. Beautiful. Based on information from the 3CR Gardening Show. Love it. <laughs> love it. I've enjoyed the show this year. I have Listening been. to it. Yeah. Yeah, really enjoy yeah. it. Yeah, I, I catch a lot on podcasts yeah. on the replay that way. Same. Yeah. yeah. We, I, I usually listen to the main show just in case something technical goes wrong and like we're on, <laughs> and I'm on hand you're to help. On, you're on I know, call. I, I know the other girls do the same, but I, I just, I love listening to it. I learn so much. Yeah. yeah. I just learn so much about other plants. Like the, the stuff that you've brought in today, Ben, I have no idea what these plants are. <laughs> and I just, it's just incredible. But it's the people. Isn't it? I mean, it's always the people, um, the plants and the people. Um, but just the diversity of voices and the diversity of skills and, you know, there's a whole bunch of people that – how many presenters are – how many guest presenters are there? 20? 20-odd. 20, 20? Yeah, 20-odd. Yep. Um, and, you know, it's a little bit of a who's who of the horticulture world in, in Melbourne. Mm. Um, uh, yeah, just I, – I don't know. I think it's the – I think the show has really hit its straps this year. 
Yeah, on the yeah. back of years and years and years of it being yeah, a great on the show. Yeah, back of 40 years of, yeah, of yeah. it being a great show. But, yeah. Um, just the diversity of voices. There seems to be a little bit more diversity. I don't know. I'm not sure. Mm. I think it's working really well. Yeah, I yeah. think it has been as well. We've, yeah, I enjoy every single show and learn something every time. I, every time I listen and every yeah. time I'm on with people, yeah, it's just fantastic. So yeah. if you're listening in, thanks, Evan. Yeah, Evan Goldie, <laughs> little, little shout out to you. Yeah. Uh, ben, successes in your garden this year? Well, we've been working on this. One of our gardens is actually the back of our property where we've got um, a lot of large um, pine trees. Like they're probably like 60 metres tall and it's been impossible to grow anything under there because the soil's hydrophobic and, mm. yeah, there's just no life whatsoever. So doing all the – putting all the gra- uh, grass clippings and, you know, any cuttings of any shrubs that we've done, we just throw up the back there and, and doing a lot of humates and, and putting my own microorganisms that I've been brewing myself back into there. And now we've actually just get this transformation of, of growth happening out there now. So, yeah, so it's starting to come more alive. Done. Yeah, Soil yeah. success. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and being very particular on what we've been planting as well, like things like um, we grow a particular plant called Globularia scarni, which actually comes from um, pine forests. So, Clever. Yeah, so it absolutely loves that, those mm. sort of conditions. Yeah, and then putting in stuff like Lobelia tuper and and things like that to sort of give that more of a diversity in the in the root structure as well. So, yeah. are, are, are pines actually allopathic, or, or is it just the competition? They, as in, they do they do, they do suppress. Oh yeah, they do. Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you, you look at the pine forest, there's nothing else that grows really underneath them whatsoever. So it's mm. just the pine nettles, and that releases that enzyme into the soil, and yeah, so it suppresses everything. Yeah. So, yeah. 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 Yeah, there's not much grows under there except those beautiful saffron milk caps in winter. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the start yeah, of yeah, winter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but no, that's been a very success for us. Yep. So, yeah. Any failures, guys? I, I've, I've failed. Yeah. Um, this is the self-help bit, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> um, I've fa- failed in in our fr- and, and this is like a bit of a, a, a legacy fail. When we first moved in, we put in or- inorganic mulch. Um, stone mulch because it looks really cool. Yeah, it does look pretty. Looks very pretty, but in terms of goodness, um, mm. in terms of adding bi- biota and you know making a, 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 a soil out of a sand, um, mm. it, it it stayed inert. Mm. Um, and you know things that should be relatively easy to grow in sandy soil are failing because it is so lacking in life. It's that coastal grey sand. Yeah. Um, it, it it's already dry and we've had um you know a fair bit of rain mm. uh, in in recent times so it's already powder dry and hydrophobic and all that sort of stuff so i'm gonna the our pledge for 2024 is to pull the inorganic mulch off bring some compost in bring some organic mulch in and um garden properly try the um Try putting microbes back in. Yes. Because it's actually what's the well, the, the necromants of of microbes which actually helps build soil as well. Yep. So even putting microbes back in, yep. yeah, will help to sort of you know, capture that moisture and even sort of uh, promoting like the fungi and all that sort of stuff, like the mycorrhiza fungi, um, that sort of helps to hold that moisture and, and the, the sort of clay particles back into the soil. Beautiful. Yeah, give you that sort of crumb structure. Beautiful. Yeah. And it's patently obvious down the side, down the side we've mulched, uh, mm. with organic mulch. Oh. And the plant, same soil, um, 
uh, it's like that superannuation ad, you know, saying starting balance, all that <laughs> Gets sort better of with stuff. time. <laughs> uh, and the difference is marked. So, yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah. that's my pledge for t- failure for the last couple of years and pledge for 2024 yeah. is, to, yep. is to make soil. Mm. Yeah. Good job. Any failures, Chloe? Yeah, my corn. So uh, my sweet bantam corn... Yeah, and I, I pulled it out yesterday. So all its little tassels came out, the pollen was going everywhere, and I had not a an ear of corn in sight. Was so, this last summer? No, this oh, summer. Yeah, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So this summer's corn completely failed. I wonder why. Um, I think it was the, the weather all over the joint. So, you know... I, um, I grew them from seed. Mm-hmm. I didn't leave them in the punnets too long or anything like that, so they weren't stressed out at that point. But yep. I really just think it was the weather all over the the weather all over the shop. Maybe I planted them a bit too early. They weren't that early, um, but I just yeah. They I was reached a, mature. No, they're twice sweet or? bantam, and okay, they're, they're the quite they were so they yep. they're actually naturally quite short. They only ever get to about a meter. Right, uh, but. Yeah, they were about 30 or 40 centimetres tall. All the tassels came out on the top, pollen going everywhere. Yeah. And not a single ear in sight. Yeah. So you've already pulled them out? I pulled them out, yeah. There wasn't no point. If ears pop up, they're not going to get pollinated by anything. I haven't grown corn before, so... Yeah. You will see the ears pretty much straight away. Yeah, normally the normally the ears with their little silks poking out the tops should be there around the same time as the tassel pollen on the top. If you don't have if you have the tassel pollen on the top and there's no ears with silks, then obviously that pollen can't okay. pollinate anything. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, and I, there's li- they're at the point where if you touch the the plant, the pollen goes. Poof, and you know, it sort of yeah, goes everywhere, everywhere, puffs everywhere. Yeah, like cloud of smoke. Yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So they're at the you know the, the ripe point for the, that pollen to be hitting the silks, and there's there's nothing for it to hit. Mm. So I thought, right out you come. I'm going to put something else in. Uh, so yeah, I think something like that, especially in a veggie garden, you've just got to cut your losses early on. Mm. You yeah. know, don't be too miserable about it. Don't be you know. Especially with seasonal Exactly. And, you know, they took up a decent amount of space in a a little veggie bed. So, Mm. yep, out they come. Something Mm. else can go in. Sounds pretty pragmatic. You weren't sort of emotionally invested in... Yeah. (laughs) In In eight sweet banded (laughs) corn plants? No. No. (laughs) I mean, that's what's nice, I suppose, also about growing from seed with veggies. You know, you sort of think to yourself, well, it cost me, what, 40 cents to to grow that? Yes, okay, I watered it and I tended it. But at the same time, I optimistically go, well, excuse to plant something else now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Chloe, successes and failures? Successes... I've, I haven't done a lot of major works in my garden this year. So I've, I've been in my house 12 months now yeah. and I took my own advice and didn't and just watched the garden for 12 months and it was a, it was a bloody boring garden, <laughs> let me tell you. I was hoping that something might have popped up in the springtime, but no. So I've just watched it and I've started to remove stuff now. So I, one of my successes I would consider is removal of three golden pencil pines. Okay along the driveway, which just should not have been put there. Just ugly as well. So that was pretty exciting to get rid of those. Were they the sort of columnar ones? The, yep, yep, the column ones. Yep. yep. So they're gone, which is very good, and I'm just starting to plan what to do out in the front garden. What's the theory? I, I can't fall on anything Hasn't to landed? do at the moment. No. Nah, it's just... 
And again, like from what I learn talking to everyone involved in this show, I'm like, oh, well, I could go with this thing. I could do this. I could do – and I just get so overwhelmed by the choice. I can walk into anyone's garden and go – you do this, do that, put these plants in and, and do that. And yep. here's a step-by-step how to do it. But in my garden, I'm just like, well, it could be this or I could do that. And and gardening in a smaller space as well, it's at a premium. Mm. So my old place, it was a lot bigger and I was like, I'm going to chuck in a garden bed there, like just liberally throwing in plants everywhere. Yep. But now there's a little bit more investment from me, obviously, but I don't – there's – ideas forming but it's pretty tricky and i want to put in a tree and i I, like there's only room to put in one feature tree and do you think i can land on anything (laughs) no so what's in the mix well i can't put in a davidia handkerchief tree because it'll die in croydon yep uh do i go a medium-sized eucalypt do i go something deciduous and really get some (laughs) coverage a stenocarpus firewheel tree. Nice. I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. There's a few plants that I do want to put in. I want to try to get my hands on a caparis to see if, because the caper white butterflies are at Melbourne Gardens. They're hanging around the caparis all the time. And when I was up at Kawara Nursery, uh, Gardens and Nursery recently, there was Maclay's swallowtails going nuts on the cutsias. Nice. Kutsia, however you say it. Kutsia, really? Yeah. As in caterpillars feeding on the... No, no, I didn't see the the caterpillars. It was the adult butterfly. It was the adult butterfly. And, John, you will know this. With our butterfly house background at the Mm. zoo, I feel very close to butterflies still these days. So... I was in the butterfly house yesterday. Oh, were you? Yeah. It was great. Yeah. Did you take the grandkids? We did. Yeah. Very nostalgic, I must say. Looking at, well, and very, a little bit humbling. I was looking at things that we planted out of eight-inch pots. And they're huge trees. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. Now that's a success. That's yeah. extraordinary. It was a little bit, it was, it was quite emotional, yeah, yeah. I must say. Yeah, it was good. How yeah. beautiful. Sorry, Chloe. No, that's all right. So there's still a, there's still a strong butterfly connection mm, I get um, it. with me. So I think the larval food plant for the Maclays is the sassafras, the atherosperma. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I did. There's a couple. Sim- One of the other Simamonum. food plants is... Camphalaurel? Camphalaurel. Yep. That's, so that's a weed. I don't want to put that in. They no. can get massive. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, it's probably not such a weed down here, though. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's more in those sort of subtropical and that's tropical true. areas where it's more of, a, yeah. more of a problem, yeah. Cryptocaria, nice. one of it's another type of laurel, absolutely gorgeous foliage. I don't nice. know why it's not in cultivation more because it really is a nice, beautiful, small tree, large shrub, yeah. prunable. I think a lot of those rainforest trees, whilst they're giant in nature, in cultivation they they can be a lot smaller. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, there's those things flying around my head, and then the couple of different grevilleas that I can't work out what to do can't work out what to do and talking to Emmeline Bowman about it who does beautiful big wetland she's like in that spot there she's pointing to the spot in front in front of the living room window pond pond frog pond and I'm like oh no (laughs) 
more ideas. Yeah. You know, I've it's been hard. Yeah, yeah. You know, I've discovered this with going to gardens for my little YouTube channel is that I come home, and especially as my husband's the one filming, we come home and he's like, so, you know the boardwalk or so you know the tree or so you know that? And I'm like, yeah, I know. Like how can we – So yeah, we do the, the same thing. We end up with all these ideas running through our head. And, yeah, we've pretty much now got an established garden, so we've got very limited space to, <laughs> yeah. to do plantings. So, yeah, I do feel your <laughs> in terms of <laughs> – It's mind-boggling. Yeah. Yes. It's mind-boggling. And I just – I thought – I was. I thought I'll do a plan and I'll draw something out, measure everything up, draw it out properly, and work out what the actual plants are that I need before I start doing anything. Well, I'm never going to start doing anything, so I've just started ripping out plants now. Yeah. And the pencil pines were the first things, yep. and then the other one um, was a hideous old leggy hebe as mm. well. So like, yeah, out of here. Yeah. There's dietes I need to get rid of, escalonias. So boring. Yeah. Well, to me. <laughs> Might sound like a little bit snobbish saying that. Some of the Escalonias are pretty good garden plants. Some of them, because I think it's quite a big group. What's the one that which is curry? Got the curries. The it, it wafts like a curry. I think it's called a curry plant. It's called a curry plant. Yeah. yeah. Is, that, is that a Maria? The no, one that you use for food? Uh, no. It's not a true curry plant. It's yeah. Not, no, but it smells like curry. Right. Yeah. Yes. Mm. Okay. Mm. Mm. These ones are just the stock standard ones with little pink flowers. Yeah. So. And a, and a camellia, a couple of camellias in there as well. Yep. Which look nice when they flowered, but then they just fall to pieces. Yeah. Flowers just fall apart, so. I actually think the <gasps> nicest bit of camellias is the, the flower petal carpet that they leave. Yeah. It is, is nice. That, is that bad? And it turns say? into beautiful humus <laughs> it, as well. Well, that's true, yes. Absolutely beautiful. Like, they break down beautifully. Yeah. And yep. magnolia flowers do the same, I found. Yep. So living, that. living compost. Definitely. <laughs> Definitely. But they release an enzyme too into the soil. So Camellias? Yeah, yeah. Really? Can, yeah, so they can release uh, an enzyme to stop anything um, growing. Is that that yeah. acid-loving soil nature-ness of them perhaps? No, it's a particular enzyme. They okay, release, yeah. yeah. So they drop all their, oh, wow. their, their leaves and, and everything and from that leaf they actually release a, an enzyme into the soil and hey, nothing can really sort of grow through. So. There you go. Hey, Ben, how do you know that? <laughs> <laughs> Well, I've actually got a big camellia patch and I've tried to grow stuff under there and it just hasn't worked. So, And then I've actually done a lot more research on why is anything growing under there. And, Made the inquiry. Yeah, and it's, yeah, there's a lot of yeah, enzymes that they're actually releasing to stop or suppressing things from growing. Yeah, yeah that's, right. That's gardening, isn't it? You, you, you see things, you make an observation and then you make the inquiry yeah. as, as to, to validate or find out what's going on. Mm. Yeah, 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 you're exactly. right. The soil is beautiful. Mm, like yes. you think, oh, you'd be able to grow anything. This is yeah. beautiful soil. Like there's worms, there's life in there. But yeah, yeah, it's good for the camellias. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it is interesting. Mm. It is interesting. Have you thought about um, the, the Illawarra flame trees this summer have been ridiculous? Beautiful. They've had a great season. Big season. Yeah. Really amazing. Yeah. Them and jacarandas. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. Jacarandas coming through Heidelberg Ivanhoe as I was driving through. I was like, "Ooh, so pretty!" Mm. <laughs> yep. Yeah. I wonder. Yeah. I wonder what's caused them to do so well this season. We haven't had anything. A lot of humidity. Maybe they're liking the ex- that extra bit That's, of humidity. Yeah, feeling like a bit like the humidity. subtropics. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, yeah, warmer winter. I don't think it's been a really cold winter. 
Yep, that's probably what yeah. it'd be. Because if you go Sydney and you see the flame trees and jacarandas planted everywhere, so if you get up high, you can see a lot of them planted together. Yep. Yeah. So it's quite quite nice. Yeah. B- blinding the weary travellers. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well it's been one of those years. Yeah. Um, yeah. Blinding weary tra- travellers. Yeah. yeah. I will tell you a garden failure that I had. Um, when I moved into this place, the back balcony, the previous owners left these really big pots of plants and it was two white flowering camellias and two loripetalums, which I do love the loripetalums, but the pots were pretty ugly and I, I asked them to take them and they didn't, they just left them there. Um, and then I moved in and then I went on holiday and I came back and they just happened to have died. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops! So I I cleared them out and now I've got some pots to fill. So I killed them. I definitely killed them. But I didn't want them anyway. Yeah. 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 And then you got troubles with your pH as well. (gasps) Yes. This is a bit of an interesting one. The very narrow garden bed out the back of the house. So it's against, so it's a Mm -hmm. south-facing garden bed. I planted two different species of Eucryphia, the leatherwoods, Mm -hmm. and one Lamacia, which is in the Proteaceae family. I call them grevilleas for the shade and slightly boggier spots. They're really lovely plants and really underutilised. So I've put those in in a row along the back there. And one of the Eucryphias, Eucryphia lucida, is doing okay. But the other two, the Lamacia and the other species of Eucryphia, have the foliage has been going a bit yellow. And I thought, oh, I'm sort of pushing the boundary a little bit with these guys anyway because they're sort of from rainforesty areas and I've put them in a south-facing garden bed and that's there's not a lot of match-up with the conditions. I thought, oh, yeah, they'll get through. I just need to keep, you know, make sure I keep the water up to them over, over summer. But the Lamacia started to put on flowers. I was like getting excited. And then I looked at them this week and the flower heads have burnt and gone black. And then I had a closer look at the foliage and it's uniform. The new foliage is uniformly yellow at the base. Right. And I thought, oh, crap. And I've had some issues with pH with my mum's garden this year. And oh yeah, I'm just showing. I'll, mm. we'll, I'll put some photos on on our um, socials later. And the tips of the foliage are starting to burn off. So they've gone yellow. And now the tips are starting to burn. Mm-hmm. Off. Oh no, this is pH. So I got out my little Manutech pH kit and did a pH test. Went instantly went bright yellow. Whoa! Bright yellow is sitting about four to four and a half <laughs> pH. That is highly acidic. Yeah. And these plants probably well, these plants need a neutral pH. Yeah. Yep. And I thought, oh, whoops! <laughs> I didn't. Well, I didn't do yeah. a pH test. There's a failure. Yep. I didn't do a pH <laughs> test for a plant into the ground. I, rookie. you know, you bloody tell people that all the time. Yeah, I know. Rookie era. Absolute rookie <laughs> error. <laughs> do you think it's just that bed, or is it the whole of your garden now? Have you run around like a maniac and tested other places? Haven't run around like a maniac. That's an isolated garden bed. That okay. one. Yep. It's probably about two and a half, three meters. About, no, about three meters. Yep. Wide. Long, sorry, and yeah, you know, 
40, 50 centimetres wide. Right. I did a pH, another pH test about a metre away up the other end of the garden bed where yep. the eucryphia is struggling. Mm-hmm. And that wasn't as acidic. That was probably sitting at about five and a half. But Still, anything yeah. six below is yeah. pretty acidic. So... Mm. Yeah, so this is going to be interesting to see how they go. I got, and I'm interested to talk to you about it as well, Ben. I bought I bought a bag of dolomite lime mm-hmm. and sprinkled sprinkled it over, watered it in. I also gave it a feed too, just in case. Which I know if the pH is out, the nutrients could be there, but the plant can't access yep. them. I know that with Locked pH, yep. but I it was just one of those like can't help myself, so I. Put a bit of some fertilizer pellets on there as well. Mm-hmm. I would probably not do that just yet. Great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Get your pH right first, yeah. because you find already because when you're seeing the the yellowing and the and the burning, so there's particular elements that become antagonistic uh, and they're blocking other mineral uh, other minerals in the soil. Yes. So some minerals are becoming more toxic, so that's why it's actually burning the actual new growth or yeah. the, the new well the the buds. I think it's usually yeah. aluminium and iron get toxic at these sort of pHs. Uh, all sorts because it, it it's. It, it, You'll find that there'll be a lot of, like your molybdenum and, and uh, your boron or your um, manganese and all those sort of things that they'll will actually start increasing because you only need something like 0.5 uh, parts per million, which is only a small amount mm. of um, uh, of molybdenum. But when your pH is incorrect or if it's too low or too high, mm-hmm. then those can increase to around about nearly to 100 parts per million. Yeah. So then that becomes too toxic to the plant. Yep. So um, and then it's not getting. The, the calcium or the boron or the, the nitrogen or the potassium or phosphorus that it's actually And the really levels needing. that it needs. The, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So mm. so correct your pH first yeah. and then apply your how minerals. Long, how long do you think it will take to correct the pH to bring something up back up its to, to more neutral? It doesn't take too acid. long. It's okay. easier to alkalize than it is to acidify yes. generally. Yeah. And um, yeah. But I would actually use lime instead of dolomite because dolomite's actually got the um, magnesium, magnesium in it as well. So you're actually if you're magnesium deficient then yeah definitely use so dolomite but otherwise use um, builders lime? No, just just garden lime. Yeah. Garden lime. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Okay. But, but limes aren't limes either, are they? There's, They're not. there's a whole bunch of yeah. different types of limes yeah. with different properties. Yeah. Um, we in at the Cranbourne Gardens, we've got hyperacidity hyper going on there. And in the Gondwana Garden, it was a yellow garden. Um, and we added lime and almost instantaneously it greened up. Just garden lime? Garden lime. Okay. Yep. Well, we used a particular, we used, a, I think it was called a, a Bucken Light. Um, yeah. A, a, Locally a, sourced. A, a, a lime from Bucken, which, had okay. certain, which didn't have the magnesium. Mm. Mm. Um, because we had issues with cal- calcium and magnesium in the soil. I mean, yeah. There was a, yeah. some balance issues there. So, yeah. But like almost instantaneously, it mm. went from a yellow garden to a green garden. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Like within weeks. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And would I would, – would you have to reapply the lime again? Like how stable is it once you alter it? Depends on what's happening around. So, yeah, I would correct the soil now and then three months later try it and just test it again. Yeah. Um, and then three just months. see what the surroundings is, see what, yeah. what's happening around. Well, the plants so. will tell me. Yeah, they Pretty will. Pretty sure the plants yeah. will tell me. Mm. What yeah. about those um, super fine particle liquid or suspended 
micronized, Particle, uh, micronized liquid lime and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, those would they be faster acting? Do you they think they are? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but I tend to like to use them more as a foliar spray because they're very high in calcium. So okay. calcium is very slow moving within the plant. So um, it'll correct the soil pretty quick, but it's not going to. The plant's not going to take up the, the the calcium, the mineral that actually needs. Uh, it'll take quite a while mm-hmm. for it to do. So something like that, I'd actually use it as a foliar spray. Yep. So it's that direct, you know, direct inject. Yeah. Yeah. Sort of approach with it. Yeah. yeah. Well. Watch this space. We'll see what happens. <laughs> I might be buying some more plants again next year, which is just fine with me. Yeah. <laughs> Buy more plants. But with the with the the lime, so if you can get your hands on some um, some fulvic acid, so you mix that lime with the fulvic acid because that'll actually chelate it all as well. So it'll actually hold it in the soil for a lot longer. The term yeah. chelate, what does that mean? Uh, claw. So Greek it means claw. So it'll actually grab it and hold onto hold. it. Okay. Yeah. Mm. Yep. Yeah. So we had some as hyperacidity issues in my mum's front garden this year as well so we actually sent because they're just particular plants she's trying to grow just keep just kept dying and other things she's like oh they're just not thriving so we sent soils off to have them properly tested Mm. came back with a really acidic ph as well but the nutrient levels in the soil were really really low Mm. as well so there were definitely the aluminium levels are really high, but yeah, the the so, other minerals were very. So low. those heavy metals, the, the using humates is what actually neutralises all those those heavy metals. Um, so that'd be another one I'd probably apply to it as well if it's very high in those. Humus. Yep. Okay. Yeah, well, humate. So using like a, a humic acid or a fulvic acid. Where do you buy those from in bigger quantities? You need to jump online. Okay. Yeah, just type it in. Yeah. Um, there's a probably a good company in Queensland called Nutritech. Um, yeah. I know there's a few companies around um, Victoria that, that do sell it. Okay. Um, but I mean, I get mine out of Queensland. So yeah. you're getting big, big barrel big loads. Barrels. So, yeah, because I mean, I put it everywhere. And when I use the, um, when I brew up my microbes, I actually add these humates with it. So, yeah. Mm. Yeah. yeah. It's just giving us some sort of food source. You sort of wonder what was going on in the soil or in the garden, you know, before, beforehand. You know, yeah. could something like if you've got a particularly acid bed, were they acid washing bricks with, or mm. something? Well, with that garden bed, so that was a 2020 lockdown project or just after the lockdowns, we um, killed off mum's front lawn mm-hmm. and turned it into a garden bed and brought in sandy loam topsoil okay. because the sort of plants that she wanted to grow were some WA stuff that need a really free-draining soil and she sort of had a clay, sort of, you know, typical Melbourne clay. So we thought, we'll bring in the sandy loam, but there's no, there's just no nutrient, yeah, no, no organic matter no. in it. No. Uh, and it just, yeah, everything's just sort of, yeah, hasn't flourished. So... But I didn't do a pH test on the topsoil when it first came in or when it first got mm. delivered. So I don't know if it's always been like that. Yeah. Or maybe um, you've migrated the, the issue in. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Brought it in with the sand, maybe. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. It's always interesting when a sandy soil is acidic. Mm. Uh, you just sort of assume that, oh, yeah, sand's coastal, lime, it's <laughs> going to be alkaline, but no. No. Yeah. So, yeah, got a bit of soil work to do. So just even if you throw trace elements around, and then mulch. When you mulch, use a loosened mulch 
Yeah. Because when and if you throw a bit of cow manure through that as well, I think I spoke about it before, is that um, promotes um, protozoa and zootobacter, which are the microorganisms that sort of um, pull nitrogen out of the atmosphere. So so you're getting free nitrogen that way. And then also you're getting your good organic matter as well. My mum better yeah. be listening because yeah. the amount of times I've talked about this garden. <laughs> and if she's not, just point her to the podcast. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. She can go back and re-listen yeah, to it too, Mum. It's 8 o'clock already. Um, you are listening to the 3CR Gardening Show. It's our last live show for the year. I'm Chloe Foster, and in the studio with me this morning is John Arnott, Chloe Thompson, and Ben Brooker. If you would like to join the show, ask us any of your gardening questions, chat to us about your successes yeah. and failures mm, this year. We want to hear. Uh, give us a call on 94190155. The text line is open as well, and that's 0488 809 855. We are on Facebook and Instagram. They are back up and running again, and you can catch us on any podcast app if you miss the start of the show or if you like to sleep in. Uh, don't blame you. All right, let's get to some plants, guys. Sure. Yeah. These guys have brought in some really beautiful plants. Mm. John, yours appear to have a bit of a theme going on, which they, is very festive. They do. I'll just pop them on the disc. There's a few. There is. Um, so Australian plants that have got um, maybe some Christmassy uh, reference points. Love it. Um, Adenanthos <laughs> is, you often see this used as a, as, as a Christmas tree, uh, as an Australian native plant Christmas tree. Yep. Um, the woolly bush. The woolly bush. Um, but there's one... There's one called Gymnostoma. Now, it's called the Daintree Pine. I think you can get it in specialist nurseries. You can. Karanga definitely but has it. But in terms of, um, you know, something that looks like a Christmas tree. Do, yep. That does. Yeah. Do better than... than Naturally rounded. Mm, it's, it's, it's gorgeous. It looks like, a Christmas, look, that, that, uh, like, looks like you could harvest that in a Christmas tree farm. Yeah. yeah. Except they're a bit more slower growing. <laughs> Except they're a little bit more slower <laughs> growing. No, no, don't harvest it as, as a Christmas tree. Um, but uh, it's called the Daintree Pine Gymnostoma. It, and is, and it is endangered, isn't it? It is threatened in, in, yeah. in nature, yeah yeah, yeah. yeah, 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 it is. Cracking garden plant, yeah. Mm. Um, really quite, whilst it comes from the dane tree, um, it, it, it performs really well, certainly in irrigated landscapes. I don't know how it would go in, um, in, in drier situations or more exposed, hotter sites. But, um, mm. uh, and then there's a couple of things that have got Christmas, the New South Wales Christmas... Bush, bush mm, which is the serital, serotopetalum, and it produces these red bracts at, 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 at this time of year. Have you ever um, driven through the Blue Mountains and then seen the forests of them? Remarkable. Yeah, it is, isn't oh, it? Oh, yeah. wow. Stunning. Yeah, yeah. Because it's a, it's, you know, it's a handsome tree yeah, in, in, yeah. in nature. Yeah. Um, yeah, so the serotopetalum with its Christmassy bracts. They're absolutely gorgeous, like red. They're red and white too. It's perfect yeah. Christmas. But yeah, plant. when you drive through the forests, well, the, the bush land up. And the blue through the blue mountains. Yeah, you just see there's just mountains of just red. Yeah, extraordinary. Yeah. Before, did you bring in the prostanthra lasianthus? Which is the Victorian the Victorian Christmas bush? Because driving through, you know, it Warrandyte even at the moment, and that's all in flower, and there's just you know patches of white everywhere, and yeah. it's just absolutely beautiful. So that's the prostanthra lasianthus, and then I haven't got it here, but there's a Western Australian Christmas bush, which is the Noitia. 
Mm. Why didn't you bring any of that in, John? Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> didn't you pay for the WA? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, the WA. Yeah. Um, and, you know, something which is a bit holly-like, it's uh, a rantacarpa or a petosporum um, uh, with, with the berries, and that's got, sort of got a holly-like-ish. Has that had um, a name change? Uh, yes, it's a rantacarpa uh, rumbifolia. Okay. Um, but it used to be petosporum, so it's, it's, it's changed. Uh, and on that sort of holly theme, I've got a grevillea, which is grevillea aquifolium, mm. which, mm. Has got, which has got that kind of holly. Holly, yeah. but holly it's also foliage. got a reddish, reddish tinge to yeah. the new foliage does. as well. Yeah, it does. And that comes in two forms, doesn't it? There's a ground cover form and there's a bush form. It's a there? really varied species. It? it comes in, I don't know, maybe... 20 or 30 forms. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a species that probably needs to be busted up. Yeah. Yeah. It gets too confusing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and there's a lot of different variants. Like I'm just thinking, even through the Grampians. Yeah. Yep. Um, Karanga will have ground cover forms. That looks like a shrub form it's that you brought form, in. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So there's a li- in the um, uh, the box garden at the Cranbourne Gardens, we've got one, two, three, four, five, probably eight or nine of, of, of the variants in the same bed. And you'd be looking at them going, how can that be the same thing? Like the the prostrate ones are flat, mm-hmm. um, like ground hugging prostrate, mm-hmm. um, and uh, yeah, you know, big foliage, small small foliage. Mm-hmm. Um, but this, yeah, a this holly, is a, a vicious leaf. I it, can it, feel it, yes, it's sharp like but, a holly. Yes, exactly yeah. like yeah. a holly. Yeah, it's a beautiful leaf, though. It is. It's stunning, but yeah, not one if you're going to brush past it on a regular basis. No, or, it'd be one to keep people out of an area. Yeah, keep people out of an area. <laughs> great for uh, <laughs> great for wildlife and birds and things as well. Really good. Yeah, really good. Yeah. So yeah, just a few Christmassy. Um, oh, Persoonia pinifolia. Um, it's one of the G-bungs, which has got sort of pine like 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 foliage, mm-hmm. uh, and. Uh, some of the colitris. This is colitris oblonga from Tasmania, which is um, one of the you know, n- another of the native gymnosperms. Native, yeah, yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. So some. Um, it's there's plenty of colour in there. Yeah. You know, there's stuff flowering. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Nothing that appears in my garden at the moment. There's nothing flowering at Christmas time to put in a vase and bring in, but. All of that stuff there looks absolutely beautiful and there's some more options for me to put <laughs> I was about to say, oh, no, John, look what you've done. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was thinking of the Serato Petalum the other day because I do love them. They're absolutely gorgeous. They're gorgeous. And that yeah. comes in the dwarf form too now. It does. Yeah. Is it, the, is, jo- is it Joanna's Christmas is the smaller form? I'm not sure. I think so. Yeah. If I anyone so. knows, please just message in. I think that's the smaller one. Yeah. But there's a few different forms of them. Yep. Yeah. And, you know, some of them you can clip to a hedge and, yeah. Yeah, they do clip up quite well, yep. actually. Yeah. So a few Christmassy uh, Australian native plants. Hmm. Thank oh. you very much, John. Um, if anyone wants to text message in, I'll just put those numbers out again because I think I ran through them a bit too quickly just before. Uh, the text line is 0488 809 855 and the phone line is 9419 double five if you want to call into the show i've got plenty of plants to talk about in the meantime ben you went with a theme today as well yeah i went with um with beauty actually so we've got two plants that i've brought in that um we've used a lot in our garden um sort of you know in different garden beds we've used this, these particular plants as, as a um it was either a complement plant or 
Um, it was a nice filler. Mm. Um, one I got was the, the Clematis Integrifolia. Um, so Clematis meaning uh, mental beauty. Um, so that's where it gets its beauty from. Um, but it's only a bush form. So it's only very only gets to probably around about sort of 60 centimetres high um, with that nice sort of blue bell-shaped flower, oh. sort of open bell-shaped flower. Yeah. So at the moment, our bush, one particular bush has probably got around about nearly, I reckon about 80 flower heads on it. Wow. Um, and still a lot wow. more coming on. Um, yeah, it's quite it's beautiful. Quite, yeah, it's quite spectacular. It looks like, almost like yeah. a campanula. Yeah, it yeah. does, yeah. doesn't it? Yeah. yeah, so I love those bush forms of clematis, not so much those climbing varieties, but bush forms have got so oh, much I character. didn't even know they existed. No. Yeah, yeah, there's a yeah. few varieties. Yeah, yeah. But uh, the, 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 this one here, we've used it a fair bit, in, especially we've got a particular garden at the back where we've used just tones of different blues and whites uh, together, and then we've used the clematis to sort of scatter around to sort of um, be that more of that understorage. Yeah. And what sort of height was this one? It's about 60 centimetres at the most. Okay. Height, yeah. Herbaceous perennial, up and down, dies back. It does go back into the ground. Yep. yep. Yeah, so it's what they call more deciduous instead of herbaceous. Yeah, still yeah, okay. produces that secondary vascular tissue, but it's, um, yeah, it's still... Yeah, it goes back into the ground. What a group of plants clematis are. They are, yeah, yeah. huge, huge, yeah. That's uh, beautiful. And clematis means? Uh, mental beauty. Mental beauty? Mental beauty, yeah. Mental. Yeah. Mental beauty. Mental, mental beauty. Mental beauty. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like so, a heavy metal yeah. band. <laughs> so that's, that's, yeah. And then integrafolia meaning um, entire, and then phala is, is the actual foliage, yeah, or phalia. Yeah, you can see where the, the name comes from when you look at the leaves. They're very fat and they look, the lobes look joined. Yeah, mm. yeah, 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 so. What sort of aspect soils and stuff do, do they prefer? Uh, well, we tend to sort of stay more neutral. So yeah. around about sort of 6.4 with a with pH um, factor. Um, and aspect, we're usually morning sun, afternoon shade. Yeah. Always protect from late afternoon because yeah. they are a little bit more delicate in their, in their leaf. Um, so that rule, you know, if we get like 40 degree day uh, in summer, it'll, it'll burn the, the tips of the leaf. Yeah. Yeah. Or burn the, the new buds that are coming through. Yeah. yeah. Yep. So yeah, we sort of try and get that, get that bit of shelter for them. Um, but otherwise they're sort of like, they're quite low. So um, they're quite, you know, sort of ground hugging. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful and there's, there's a few of the, those uh, shrubby clematis. There is. Yeah. 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 So I, well, I, well, I've got about. I think two varieties of, of the shrub forms. Um, the two of them are no three. Sorry, one's sort of just new for me, um, where I've got heaps of the integrafolia. But the, the the other variety I've got, I um, hopefully in another five years I should be able to have that one available. Yeah, cool. Because I've done that one from seed, and now it's just, it's trying to get it to produce more seed, and yeah, and get the numbers up. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. yeah it's, it's one of those those interesting genera that. Um, in the southern hemisphere and the northern hemisphere, and you know, it's a it's, it's a mega diverse yeah. uh, genera, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Huge. I would not have picked that as being a clematis when oh. you brought that in. No, no, no. no a lot no. of people because people look at it and think, mm. yeah, because they think clematis is just that climbing. Looking oh, at, like yeah, that. if you look at it from the yeah. upside down, yes, upside yep. down, yeah, yeah, from below. That yeah. centre really looks clematis-like. Yeah. But it does. Yeah, but hanging up like a bell yeah. doesn't look so much. Yeah. Yeah. Very pretty. Very pretty. Nice. Yeah, especially when you get a bush of it and it's just full of flower. Mm. It is quite spectacular. Yep. Yeah. Mental beauty integrifolia. Mm. That's it. <laughs> Mental beauty entire foliage. <laughs> yeah. They don't sound as eloquent when yeah. you actually <laughs> you know, say them by the meaning, do they? No, no. Yeah. 
Chloe, you were saying before we started, just it was a little humble brag, but let's chat about oh, it. You've picked a, a tomato already. I know. I'm picking armfuls of tomatoes oh. already. I know. When did you put the plants in? Well, I was completely illegal and I planted at the beginning of September. Oh, that's I know. Why. That's why. I know. Total madness. You are wild, I am lady. such a wild, such a rebel. <laughs> it was actually completely un- unintentional. So I was doing some filming uh, for a client who has tomato plants. And so I had to plant them for the filming purposes and I was planting them in these big and I think this is part of why they've gone so well I was planting them in big about one meter long about 40 centimeter deep troughs Um, so I've popped two plants in there they're bush type tomatoes so they've got like a little tomato cage each and then I shoved it against a north-facing wall of my Mm -hmm. house so they've got the nice dark pot that's warming up the soil Mm. they've got the nice warmth off the north-facing wall uh, but they are so prolific and smothered in tomatoes. And I'm picking five, ten ripe tomatoes every day from them. So they're in pots. They're in pots, yeah. Yeah. So I think that that combination of the pot is obviously warming up the soil faster, the heat radiating off the wall, and also potentially the fact that they're that bush-type tomato. It's giving me, yeah, really early harvest. So if you want an early harvest of tomatoes, 100%. Yes, you you can put them in, but you need to... Make sure that they're kept warm. Yes, yeah, because yeah. you want that soil temperature to be 18 degrees or more for tomatoes to be really, really happy. And obviously in September, it's pushing the friendship. It's pushing it. <laughs> I know that my I was measuring the temperature of my normal garden beds, so my one metre by one metre raised apple crate style beds, yeah. and in September they were well below 18. Right. Uh, so, yeah, I would not have put them out there, but for sure, you know, be a rebel and start some in pots. Yeah, absolutely. Love it. Well yeah. done. Yeah. So. Well, I, I picked as I picked a couple of zucchinis already. Yeah. Have well, you guys, <laughs> they don't. May I think this year is probably I properly planted on Cup Weekend this year, and I reckon I'm usually a few weeks can be a few weeks late. Okay. So I think I think that's why I'm getting them before Christmas. Maybe. Yeah. But I was surprised. Happily surprised. Yeah. Mm. I certainly have. I've got a few little baby ones, which you know. In two days' time, we'll be ready to pick. Yeah. <laughs> like it is with zucchinis. <laughs> if you don't pick them every Blink. few days. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I've recently uh, completely renoed two of my apple crate veggie beds and turned them into wicking beds. So That's I've. Good idea. Yeah. So I, they needed to be replaced anyway. So the apple crates had started to disintegrate. They yep. were about eight years old, they were rotting out. Rotting out from the bottom, you know, <laughs> we had soil spilling out from the sides. Yeah. So we thought, no, we're going to retrofit them. So we bought two new apple crates and we've retrofitted them. And How did you do it? We because use these little cells and they're, I don't know, they're about 40 centimetres by 40 centimetres. They're called water up cells, completely okay. not sponsored. Yep. They're called water up cells and they can convert anything, any planter or container into a wicking bed. Cool. Yeah. So we, you made the apple crate watertight. Yeah. Using food grade black plastic liner, and yeah, then you add these cells in. So did you remove the the, the rotting timber, or did you? We completely did you that? No, we no. completely removed those. Yep. We had a bonfire before the end of bushfire, gotcha. you know. But yep. We uh, and yeah, we got brand new apple crates in, which are dirt cheap. I think they were sixty or seventy dollars on marketplace. So we got brand new apple crates in, and they're just convenient because you know they come in a square, they're ready made, they're sturdy, they're strong, yep. and yeah. And then transfer the soil out of one into t'other. Yeah. Gotcha. So, yeah. Um, so it's well got to be And there's, so far, I'm loving that wicking process. So it's, work, it's working? It's working. Um, obviously, when you plant new things in, 
they need time to establish and grow their roots. But I transplanted a very sad you know, constantly dramatic rhubarb out of one of them. (laughs) You know, it was a running joke. He'd come out and rhubarb's flat on the ground. And I haven't watered that bed since I transplanted it at all. What a success. And the rhubarb is thriving. How nice. Yeah. Yeah. So I know I'm now looking at my other four veggie beds going, "Mm, Mm. do you go the same way? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Probably. Yeah. Well, it's just that convenience of I've not been watering and yet it's, it's thriving, so yeah, big fan. Hey, I made another mistake um, in an apple crate and planted um, raspberries, and they have. I mean, they've filled the crate. Yeah, I was going to say they escaped, of <laughs> yeah. and they've esca- escaped into the garden. They're now oh, no. about three meters away from the crate. No yeah. way! Yeah. out of the crate, out of the crate, through the into the soil. Wow! Yeah, yeah. Um, no, I think I'm just going to leave them. Um, to harvest off them and then pull them up. But with raspberries, if they're starting to sucker, they're they're there for good? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, I've got one that's not planted in a very well-contained space and it has gone in, it'll pop up in the nearest veggie bed. Yeah. Which is part of the other reason why I, I think I might at least turn that veggie bed into a wicking bed in the hope that it keeps it out of it. Yeah. yeah. So if you do need to pull out raspberry suckers, I've discovered that if you get one of those garden knives or the I think they're called horry horries. Oh yeah. And you you use that to dig it out. So don't just pull so it don't from. Just rip it. No, because yeah. you, all you're doing is pulling the foliage. You yeah. really need to get that root, get the, get yep. the root of the sucker, okay. uh, and and remove it that way. Yeah. But I think raspberries and hops are the other things that will really run her off really quickly mm. Mm. yeah that's interesting that it jumped or got out under the crate yeah mm. yeah. yeah yeah they're pretty determined they are really <laughs> determined yeah. yeah i mean the crates are starting to in they do. Thing, they're yeah, five six years old and they're starting to you know rot and stuff like that and um but there was a void down the bottom there was an air void and, yeah you know all that. anyway they're they're good at it mm. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, this is the 3CR Gardening Show. It's our last live show for 2023. I'm Chloe Foster. I have John Arnott, Chloe Thompson and Ben Brooker in the studio with me this morning. Um, Text in or call in. What successes or failures have you had this year? And also, my question to you guys and listeners, what are your plans for 2024? 2024. Mm. Well, I suppose at my place, um, we have a bit of a thing going on in the backyard that's already started, but I know it'll well go into 2024. I'm moving my outdoor bathtub back a bit and I want to create a flat deck surface type of space to the side of it and then either bring in some nice outdoor chairs or we create some sort of a built-in Uh, And this has really come about the fact that in the last couple of gardens that I've been filming for my YouTube, I've really loved the little seated pockets in the garden, you know, and especially as an outsider walking into the garden, you've walked over and you've sat in a nice chair Mm. and sat down and gone, oh, this is so nice. Dwelling spots. Yes. Mm. Those spots where you just sit and contemplate or read a book. And I noticed that my backyard is seriously lacking in a space to sit down, relax and chill. Like we've got seats, but they're not comfy ones, Mm -hmm. like a bench seat. It's not comfy. And obviously the bathtub's only comfy when it's hot and got water in it. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, I've really, um, my big focus for 2024 in my backyard in particular is to just make some comfy seated spots. Great. Yeah, I think that's underrated too much in gardens, Mm. having that nice 
you know, sit down and appreciate your garden, for goodness sake. You notice them when they're not there. Mm-hmm. Like going, particularly going around like a public garden, sometimes you're like, oh, I'm a bit tired, I'd love to sit down, and then you can't see a seat for miles. Yep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was picturing that job and I wasn't going to say it. But, you know, particularly in the early days of Cranbourne, before the tree cover started to get up and on the hot days you needed needed more seats. Yeah. Oh, I think we're still in the same, still in the, same boat. I mean, it's better. Yeah. But it is a, um, yeah, it, it's a... a it's a garden that you walk through. It's a garden that you haven't typically and and look at and study and you know it stimulates a whole bunch of interesting thoughts and you know it's a it's a um uh but it's a it's a garden that you walk through, look at, yeah, think about, think about, yeah, you, you reflect on all that sort of stuff. But it's not a place just to stop mm. and dwell. Mm. Um, you know, it's not the oak lawn at, at, at the Melbourne Gardens where you're just... It's a different style of immersion. It's a different style of immersion. Yeah. But it's not, it, but it's, it's not about um, It's not about dwelling. We, we'll sort that. Yeah, okay. Because we, we have to. Yeah, mm. yeah. We have to. Definitely. Yeah. 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 Um, but yeah, yeah, so I, I, I hear what you're saying. It's, yeah. it's um, designing... So I think that's the one of our quests at the Cranbourne Gardens for 2024 is to um, increase some of that um, opportunities to just stop and be. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, for yeah. sure. That's our pledge. Beautiful. Good. Yeah. Love Sounds it. good. What about you, Ben? We're doing a lot to our garden. So we've got plans for next year. So we're trying to do as much as we can. Yeah. So what, what are your plans? Well, we're thinking about opening it up. Ooh. So, yeah. Okay. So you more. said it on air. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> well, we've already decided we're going to, but we're doing a lot of work. So yeah. in, in preparation for that? Yes. Good. Yes. So I'll be doing um, a lot of my brews. So I'll talk about different brews that I'll be doing and, yeah, so going in a bit more depth with them and how to use them and how to brew them yourself and all that sort of stuff. So, so a lot of planting as well? Oh, yeah. 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 So, re, yeah. so we're redoing the garden beds, replanting a lot of things, and then once we get to that stage, then we'll, we'll start creating other beds as well. So Would it be a spring-summer? Late spring, yeah. 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 yeah ours is, it's usually November. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've got a lot of things sort of starting to flower. Um, yeah. Yeah, because usually start of spring we have a lot of nice green foliage and all that, which um, which I absolutely love, just the different foliages and all yeah. that. Yeah, in the garden. Um, mm. Yeah, and it's the same in autumn. You get the different foliages as well. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, we'll get back to that. We do have a listener that has called in to talk about their successes and failures. Good morning, <laughs> Rosie. Terrific. Hi, hi, team. Thanks for really calling in. Really enjoying the program. No, no, that's. Um, that's great. Can I start with my failure first? Yeah, go for it. Get it out of okay, the way. Okay, <laughs> so um, I've always loved witch hazel. So um, I bought a witch hazel. Um, uh, I bought it from Craig up in Gentiana, beautiful plant. Um, and it's been in two years. And then it was going well. Um, there was one very hot day back in November when the new growth, I think it must have been new, um, seems to have got fried by... Um, extreme heat and so now I've got um, a plant that's got um, very crispy browned leaves partly green but mainly brown and I don't know what to do because I think it it is still alive but will it come back or I don't want to move it again because um, it's only in partial sun so um, what do you suggest I do? I think it's ride it out for, for this year and wait for next year's flush. 
Right. Yes. I, I think I I, I, I I couldn't see those damaged leaves um, repairing themselves. I think they'll they'll be damaged for the no. um, for the yeah. duration, as it were. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, what do I do about watering? Do you do you think it could be a lack of water? I've been watering. Maybe I hope I haven't been over watering. I don't think so. You probably want to dig down and just check and see what your water mm. capacity is like first before you actually do water. Um, yeah, yeah. But at this stage, I'd probably actually use a bit of cow manure and loosen mulch back onto the soil um, right. and even um, getting some hands on some sea soil or some sort of uh, kelp or something like that to, to actually just sort of stimulate some, some microorganisms in the soil. Yeah, 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 I can do that. Good, yeah. and we'll cross our fingers because that always helps. But even if you get a chance as well, if, if you actually go out first thing in the morning and uh, foliar spray some trace elements... Um, but just spray underneath the leaf and just um, yeah do it first thing in the morning because um, yeah. that, that'll actually help build the, uh, the the strength of the plant as well because so, you're probably lacking right. in some in some minor minerals so having those there um, the plant will actually be able to sort of build those complex forms of proteins to sort of help um, the plant sort of recover um, yep. from from any sort of you know any stresses fine good mm. I can do this would you mm. like my success yeah, yeah, go absolutely. for it. We definitely want that. <laughs> so, my success is not really a plant because, um, uh, like Chloe, I thought um, I've got this hot garden, but I do have a nice shady spot right at the back of the garden. And um, I've had a, a sort of, well, I'm calling it a studio, but it's a shed put in. <laughs> so um, uh, I can sit. It's got a little tiny deck um, and it takes two chairs and I can sit there and contemplate the garden and watch the birds and see all the things I should be doing. And I've, um, I've got plants that um, are going round, which I haven't, I'm about to put back in. And um, I'm hoping it's going to be my happy place. So I'm looking forward to it. Oh, that sounds beautiful. That sounds yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That's yeah, beautiful. <laughs> yeah, so, so that's 2024. And well done. I hope you all have a fantastic Christmas and um, a great year next year. Thank you so much. And thank you for calling in and messaging in like you do. Um, we <laughs> have really appreciate it. And, yeah, thanks no. for calling in again this morning. Thank you. Bye-bye. Have a good Chrissy. Bye. Thank you. See ya. <sighs> that was nice. That was nice. Well done, Rosie. <laughs> well done. Um. All right, anyone, still any more plans to share? Well, we've done one oh. beautiful. So, oh, yeah, Ben's the other, other, other beauty. Ben's yes, other beauty. Yes, the Lucanthium, uh, which is the, the Shasta daisy, but this one's actually like a double flowering one. It's mm. like it's actually the, the single flowering variety, but it's like someone's hacked at it with all these, like with scissors and just really hacked yeah. at the, the, <laughs> the, 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 the petals. Um, yeah, so it's a variety called, uh, it's Lucanthium um, superbum. Um, Agalea, I think it is. So, yeah, Agalea is a, a refers to, um, well, a, a goddess, uh, the mythology, mythological um, uh, god. I think her name was, uh, I can't think of her name now. Oh. It was something to do with, uh, with beauty. Okay. Um, yeah, so beauty or um, flawless and all those sort of things. So, yeah. So yep. that's where he has that, that, that beauty from. Connection to beauty. Yeah, connection to beauty, yes. Yeah. yeah. But it's a lovely plant too. So it's another one. It just when it in the garden, after about three years, you, you get a decent-sized clump of it. Yep. You just have multiples of flowers Ooh. on it. So you be, wouldn't be surprised if you had like 50 flower heads. Yeah. Um, and they're not small flowers. So the flowers probably around about nearly sort of eight, 
eight, ten centimetres in width. Mm-hmm. Cool. Um, and it is that nice sort of ruffled sort of sort of flower head. Yeah, nice um, long stems, which are yeah. good for picking. And yeah, excellent well. for cut flowers. Oh, yeah, 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 and it's good flower. for pots too. So. Yeah. 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 Um, and it gets no bigger than say, you know, eighty centimeters in height. Okay. So it's not yep. not over, overpowering or you know it's going to take over your garden or anything like that. Yep. Yeah. Nice size. Um, and it's it is a variety because a lot of the Shasta daisies can sort of self seed um, and they pop up in the garden. This okay. one here is actually infertile, so it doesn't actually produce the seeds. Behaves itself. It does. <laughs> yes. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. No. And it's an, and the good thing is they're hardy hardy plants. So if you have got a, a dry sort of spot or a, a real sunny position where you're finding it's hard to particularly grow particular species this one here would absolutely love it yeah yeah there's a there's a few plants with the species name of bella which is means beauty mm-hmm. yeah beautiful um Micaiah bella uh there's a euphrasia bella there's a dryandra bella there's a carimbia bella um and um, Tim Entwistle has a, a, an algae named after him, which is Entweaslia bella, which is a beautiful um, algae, just on the beauty theme. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Well, I should have brought another one because we've got another centuria called bella too as well. Uh, which was the genera? Centuria. Centuria bella. Yeah, bella, yeah. Yeah, yeah bellamine. Is it a little white flower? No, no, it's a little pink little flower. Oh, yeah, okay. so nice little grey. Grey foliage, mm. yeah. But yeah, that reference to, to Bella and beauty. Yeah. Micaiah Bella is a uh, terrific old-fashioned plant. I, I saw some at the zoo yesterday, um, which, uh, yeah, Bella, beautiful. Beautiful. Mm. Mm. Uh, well, we have just refreshed the text message screen. So the text messages that people have been sending in all morning are actually now showing up on my screen. So apologies, listeners. Mum messaging, she said she's listening and taking notes, Ben. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> um, in response to some of the plants that I was thinking about earlier, someone has recommended a Barclia syringifolia. Yep, nice one. Which is a nice one. Um, a pea flower, rainforest pea, yellow flowers, Barclia? No, Barclia is a proteaceae. Oh, okay. You thinking Goodyear? No. No. I was thinking. Well, Barclay is very similar to like Grevillea, mm. isn't it? Yeah. So it's that yeah. ivory, ivory curl. Yes. Gotcha. Yes. Ivory, yeah. 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 Cool. Yeah. Uh, Beautiful tree. Anita has messaged in. Uh, she's out in West Gippsland, I think Anita is. Maclay swallowtails find Verbena bonariensis irresistible in awesome. Shindavik. Yeah. So that mm. would be a lovely plant to put in. It can seed a little bit. Yes. Yeah, it yes. But it is. Yeah, it is beautiful on mass. Yeah. yeah, I use it a lot in my landscaping work, and then I'm in our garden, I've got it mass planted as well. Well, we're starting to mass plant it, and it's yeah. naturalising in your garden. No, I'll try and I'll control it. Right. Yeah. 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 I don't want it popping up too. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Too much. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, Wendy from Wanthaggy, um, in reference to the corn, she said that happened to her one year pre-COVID, and was told it was poor seed stock but she hasn't looked for any research to back that up. Oh, there you go. Well, the, I have grown successfully corn from these same seeds before, um, and they're not old. Um, mm. From the research I did, it was to do with, yeah, the climatic weirdness. It can also be that, you know, you left them in the punnets too long and things like that. But from the research, yeah, that I did, it was just literally the climate. Mm. So Interesting. anyway, Interesting. no point crying over 
Belt corn? <laughs> Bad corn? Bad corn. <laughs> no, move on. Next planting. All right, if you do want to send us a text message, the screen is refreshed now, so I can read them. The number is 0488 809 855. And if you want to call in and chat to us this morning, any gardening question or any successes or failures or anything you've had this year, 94190155 is the number for that. Hmm. I've got some fun stuff happening in 2024. It's not technically my garden, but I'm emceeing the Melbourne International Flower and Garden Show again. Awesome. Yes. So I'm very excited about that. There, it sounds like, I can't even tell you about them yet, but it sounds like there's going to be um, a few little changes to like the layout and the sort of styling of the general Flower and Garden Show. So yeah, please do make sure that you come along and say hi and... Obviously, five days of garden fun down here in Melbourne. Yeah. When you say emceeing, mm-hmm. what what does that entail? Well, t- I basically pop up all over the place, essentially. Okay. Okay. <laughs> but there's a stage inside the Royal Exhibition Building, so yep. the big, beautiful building. Yep. And that's the main stage. It's considered the main stage. So I emcee that. But then there is also an outside stage, generally on the Welcome Garden as well. Yep. And I will pop up down there as well sometimes, from time to time. So it's just a great chance to talk to people and hear from people and what a lovely gig it is it's a really Mm. great gig and then I actually get to I get the joy of so the show starts on the Wednesday and I go in on the Tuesday and I film some little pop fox interviews with the designers as they're finishing their gardens and then I put those up on socials and so does the Mifkas guys so it's a great way to get a little snoop behind the scenes yeah where would it sit in relation to things like Hampton Court and Chelsea, and is, it, it, there's a similar, it, it's, it's there's a similar intent to, mm. to Mifkus, is there? Or? Yeah, there yeah. is. It's it's up there in the you know the top few garden shows in the world. Uh, I don't know if you know the Irish bloke Peter Donegan, but he came out for last year's, and he's going to do a garden again at this year's. Which you know, to begin with, I was just like, what's an Irish bloke doing at an Australian? Mm. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like what? Uh, but I think that's that uh, emphasis to try and and, and make it more of an international show in because it's the Melbourne International, international Flower yeah. and Garden Show. So, yeah. you know, to have more international people come to it uh, would be... Chris in the profile. Exactly, mm. Chris in the profile like that. So it's definitely up there. And, you know, Peter, from hearing it from a, a foreigner's perspective, Peter was saying it is well up there with, with Chelsea and Hampton Court. Wow. Terrific. Yeah. So, awesome. Yeah. Some and fuzzies. We are in planning mode for the flower and garden show for Melbourne Poly at the Brilliant. moment. The students uh, for the Achievable Gardens have been selected, so right. they're all they're in major planning and designing and sourcing mode. Love it already. How many have you got doing Achievable Gardens? Three students. Yep. Yeah, it's a little bit smaller this year because Swinburne's not around anymore. Yeah, which is such a bummer. Uh, but, yeah, there'll be three Melbourne Poly entries at this point and the Career Hub is going to be there again. With We'll have – Melbourne Poly will have a presence and there'll be some other Hort RTOs yep. um, and probably a couple of apprentice companies. Good idea. Apprenticeship company yeah. there, as, there as well. Uh, yeah, it just – the show finishes and you sort of start thinking about the next one again. Yeah, and I know. By the time you're like, oh, it's Christmas, and then once that's over, and March always comes around so quickly. It does. Yeah, I know. I can't believe I'm talking about it already. I feel like we just finished the yeah. other one, yeah. but anyway. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it'll be another good year. It's one of my favourite things. Yeah. Of the year. Yeah. The flowering garden show. 
Do you usually get there, John? I, I have a bit patchy. Yeah. It's a little bit patchy. Um, is it over the... It's in March. Yeah, something. Start- it, it's, but it's not over the Queen's birthday weekend, is it? It starts March 20th. March 20th. So it then goes mm. from five days from there. It's a week right. so before Easter. Yes. Right. This year. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. So it's generally that third or fourth week in March. So, you know, nicer weather generally. Um, and, yeah, insider's tip would be to, you know, either come there the second that the gates open (laughs) (laughs) or plan to stay after 3 o'clock when the crowds start to disperse Uh, and then that way you get to see stuff without 20 people deep in front of you. Sure. And, Chloe, you've done... You've been on that central stage a few times talking natives and different theme yeah, presentations. I, it was uh, the it was 2019, AB and Angus Stewart and I did a talk on different components of native plants, so mm. that was fun. And then last year I joined Chloe for a couple of the Q&A panels. Okay. Yeah, which was really they're good always too. good. Yeah. Yeah, it was, and it was like doing 3CR. It was. But with, a, <laughs> but with, with people, people watching. Yeah. yeah, just answering people's questions. Nice. It was really fun. It was really fun. Uh, is that going to happen? Can I ask? I think it will. Good. Yeah, yeah. I certainly think it will. Um, I know that, <clears throat> excuse me, I know that they're keen to have those interactive side of things. Yeah, right. yeah so I think it will again. Yeah, so stay tuned. Good. <laughs> All right, we've got another, another text message from listener Paul. He needs some serious advice regarding the pruning of a 20-year-old neglected Tahitian-type hibiscus. It's in a small, sunny inner north backyard, but it has not been pruned in many years. When do you prune it and how do you prune it and how severely doesn't get a lot of flowers on it? Mm. So a Tahitian, you can prune now. Now's the time to do it mm-hmm. because a lot of the, those hibiscus, they'll flower in autumn. Okay. So you want to do it now. And how hard can you go on them? Well, depending on the, on you'd have to really. It's one of those things where you've really got to visually sort of look at. Um, my rule is, is is always make sure there's some sort of foliage there, um, sort of prune back to you know the, the, you know at least about about three or four sort of um, you know leaves or something like that. That's so if he's on that stem. A pretty old one, and it hasn't been pruned very regularly mm. then there may be a lot of dead wood on the inside mm. so that's why if you could prune them right back to like about a meter stump will they survive without any foliage left on them they can okay. but you've got that 50 50 chance where it may not recover as yep. well because it's already sort of well sort of well established um well, so and sometimes in that case it's better it's better to take the risk because it's clearly not doing its job that you want it to anyway and you could take some cuttings no do it i always prune them sort of prune it down to where there is still foliage once you start getting that new growth back on you you see you're still going to get more shoots um epicormic sort of shooting uh, around the base so then then you can sort of determine when you can go back even further okay so it's best to do it in sort of a slower sort of a gradual sort sort of stage so this year, prune it back to where you still got some sort of foliage. Yep. Uh, then next year, then you can prune it back even heavier. So get it back down to that size where you want it to be. Good idea. Clever. Yep. Really good idea. Mm. Yeah. So um, low risk of losing it. Doing it that from, way. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yep. For That's sure. a really good idea. Yeah. And then go back to the plant nutrition as well. So yeah, fertilize with particular like your, your minor, your trace elements, um, boron, um, you know, calcium using like a uh, your lime 
like using lime and, and uh, even potassium silicate if you can get your hands on that, mm-hmm. which is an immunolessiter and um, and it's a major function for, for cell structure as well. Yeah. So those sort of things and that way you can build the plant's strength right up and then it'll come back nice and strong. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, good luck, Paul. Let us know how you go. Mm. Uh, listener Jill has messaged in, the dainty swallowtail butterflies love her finger lime. Excellent. Um, it's also growing in a raised wicking bed. So she watches the butterflies lay their little legs on the plants. Beautiful. There you I go. I've got yeah. a finger lime that needs planting, actually. Mm. Mm. <laughs> that is an investment plant. Yes. Because they're like $80 a kilo to mm. buy a finger lime from uh, a yeah. fruit and veg shop. Yep. But $70 plant? Yes. And they're pretty tough. They're pretty tough. They've also got huge spines. <laughs> they're not. Yeah, they're not great. Like they're not the most aesthetically no, pleasing plant. No, they're not the, the prettiest looking plant for sure. No. Um, but no, my parents sure. have got, I think it's about two or three established bushes out in, they live near Eltham. And yeah, sometimes, some years they're dripping in fruit. Mm. Uh, and Wonderful. Yeah, I know, I know. We just take them and you take all the little pearls out, cocktails. Oh, yeah. Are they susceptible to the gall? They are. Yes, they, they are. are susceptible to the gall. Right. So yes, they can be pretty much one of the major hosts for the citrus gall wasp okay. and people often don't think about it. Mm. Uh, so yes, do keep your eyes open for citrus gall wasp on them. Hot tip. And it's interesting that the, the dainty swallowtail butterfly, when 30 years ago when I was at the butterfly house, it wasn't called the dainty swallowtail, it was called the dingy swallowtail. Yeah. Oh, I've seen, it, I've seen it written like that. It's an awful name. Isn't it? Yeah. The dingy swallowtail. Dingy, because it, it's, not, it's smaller than, a, than the other northern swallowtails. Oh. So it got called dingy. Dingy. Yeah. Talk about the opposite of Bella. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But they are Bella. So, so it's had, a, it's had a, um, a, a common name change. And rightly so. And rightly so, because it's a gorgeous butterfly. get so excited when I see them fly yeah. around. It's yeah, probably the beautiful. most common um, swallowtail butterfly in suburban Melbourne. Yeah. And, it, you know, it's quite a stronghold. You know, we'll see it uh, every year in Bond Beach. Yeah. So tip for people, like, look, you might see the butterfly around, but the caterpillar looks like a bit of bird poo yeah. on the leaf. Oh. So that's, like, if there's little plain green caterpillars on your uh, citrus plants, they're, they're more likely just the looper caterpillars, which mm. is just a you know, brown moth. But Ooh, That was a bit judgy, wasn't it? No, just, yeah, just a, just a moth. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Both Oops. of us bringing the judge. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the pretty ones. Mm. Um, no, the dainty swallowtail yeah, is a little long bit of mottly brownie white black poo. That, and and that's like a defence mechanism. Camouflage. That, that it's yeah, bit of camouflage. Yeah. We've got to stop using insecticides and fungicides and, and, and even herbicides as well. Yeah. So I mean, sometimes you do need to use a herbicide, but if you can minimise the amount of it of using herbicides, but you just need to stop them. Yeah, yeah. So stop if you see it. your if you see your lemon tree with you know holes in the leaves through you know, obvious caterpillar damage, mm. it's a gift. Yeah, yeah. It's fantastic. Yeah, because the tree it'll bounce back. Oh, of course. I mean, yeah. Chloe, it'd be going back to the zoo days where we both at one point grew larval food plants for caterpillars. And the amount of, um, uh, I mean, these, these citrus plants that were in pots were denuded of all, all foliage and then cut back to a frame, almost like you'd cut, cut back a rose. Mm. Uh, and bang, they come back. Mm. So they're pretty tough. Very mm. tough. Mm. Yeah, so you know, a handful, 10, 12, 15 caterpillars sitting on an advanced 
mature lemon is of no consequence. So. No. And even a lot of the – I've definitely had – I was just Googling to see which one it was. I've had the orchard swallowed um, that caterpillar on my citrus before. Mm. And, you know, there was it's, a, it's almost a solid – it was for me a solitary caterpillar. Mm. And, you know, in yeah, its whole – Exactly. In its whole lifetime it consumed about five leaves on my potted dwarf male lemon. Yeah. So, yeah. you know – it looked insane to watch because it, you know, really freaky, funky colours. Yeah. So people, you know, don't panic too much. Yeah. It's not going to completely denude. Absolutely. Yeah. But if you start getting big infestations of them, sure, it's actually it's there's no point using insecticides or anything like because then the plant goes through a process where they call protein cannibalism. So it actually can create another problem where you'll still get another infestations because it'll it'll fix the problem. Yep. But. Another insect will come in after it because the plant's protein is actually not complex any form, uh, anymore. Wow. So the idea is it goes back to the plant nutrition. So you've got to complete the form of, of, of proteins. So you go from, with your nitrogen, you go from nitrogens to a nitrate to a, uh, not, uh, yeah, nitrate to a nitrite and then from a nitrite to an ammonium mm-hmm. uh, and then that goes into an amino acid and then from amino acid into a protein. But if there's actually it doesn't have all the right minerals there, then that protein won't go into a, comp- a complex form of protein. It'll go into a different form of protein. So, because the plant, so insects can't digest complete forms of protein. So, if you complete that form and make it a complex form, then the plant is not favourable for the plant uh, for the for the insect. So the insect won't won't chew it at all. So Gosh. that's where it all goes back to healthy yeah, plants. Healthy plants. Yeah. Yeah. Healthy plants. But it's actually Resilience. completing it. So you actually do need like your, your iron, you need molybdenum, you need nickel, which is actually another form of actually completing that um, nitrogenase um, uh, enzyme. Um, so you need all these minor in- minerals to complete that form of protein. For people that can't maybe access some of these products or minerals, would really good quality compost and proper mulching be sufficient enough to like keep Kick that nutrient level up to plants yeah but you find molybdenum is not really in our soils okay. so you need to put the trace elements into the soil as well so or into the plant All right, so, so trace you want element to, fertilizer yeah. compost things like a simpler way like nickel i mean if you've got really nice uh, organic amendments then your, your um, ph is actually around about sort of 6.4 um or 6.5 sort of thing then you, you're going to have a a, a a nickel component there so you don't need to worry about sort of applying those sort of minerals. Um, well, I mean, you've got to be careful because nickel is a heavy metal as well. Mm. Um, but there's things like, you know, um, potassium can leach through the soil very quickly. Um, you know, that's another form of it that will actually complete the process of, uh, of that protein. Um, calcium is another one which will actually move really, really slow. But if you don't have, uh, say, boron or, or silica available, then that doesn't become um, uh, like a, a calcium pectate or anything like that, so, which will con- complete that form of protein as well. It gets a bit more complicated. Mm. But, yeah, so you really need to have all your minor elements available for the plant to complete it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but then go back to using, like, your, your loosened mulch. Um, so that provides like a bit, a bit of cow manure, like I was going back and saying before, like the protozoa and zodobacter, which is a nitrogen fixing organism, um, but also will actually uh, solubilize phosphorus in our soils as well. So there's no point actually applying phosphorus because we've already got the phosphorus there. Mm. It's actually trying to, how can we access it? The best way to do that is through your microorganisms. Um, and that's using the loosened and cow manure um, is a good food source for that, those particular microorganisms but also what that can do is it stimulates is uh, 
uh, thing I've been doing a little bit more research on is called rhizophagy, which is how a plant uh, consumes the microorganisms and releases this superoxide, oxidizes the actual cell wall, and that cell, or that, well, uh, the the, um, uh, the microorganisms blows up to like this balloon and extracts these these minerals that the plant actually needs in between the cell walls and then it farms it actually in the the actual root hairs and spits it back out and they tell all the other microorganisms that, or the endophytes around the root systems there's this, this strange prison uh they and they what they do is they gather up all these minerals and this is a cycle it goes back into the tip of the actual root uh and then yeah it goes back to that cycle again so the plant's getting its a natural organic form of of um of minerals as well that way so it, it goes back to the the micro sort of sort of biome in the soil where mm. where you're going to get the the more nutrients available for the plant yeah, yeah. It's fascinating soil. stuff. Mm, oh absolutely yeah, absolutely fascinating. Mm, yeah. And this is this is the sort of stuff that you'll be talking about during the um, your open gardens. Yep. Is it? You'll be yeah, demonstrating yep. how some of the, some of the how to how to brew these things. Yeah, just using yeah, yeah. How to brew these out of just using yeah your home ingredients. Cool. Yeah. It's cool. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, all right. There's a couple of text messages and some phone calls to get to. Uh, let's go to. Doug in Altona North. Hello, Doug. Hi, guys. How are you going? Good. Good I'm sitting in my garden. Anyone who's still asleep now is missing the best part of the day. It's absolutely glorious out here today. It's fantastic. It was a beautiful so, morning driving in, but as you know, yeah, yeah. you are our, one of our producers. We can't see anything outside of this studio <laughs> at the moment. Yeah, we'll take I, your word I, for I, it. I probably shouldn't have told you that, really. It's terrible <laughs> out here. Terrible. Terrible. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> And I love the segment about owning your um, owning your failures, but but you're all starting to sound a bit proud of them at one stage. I thought maybe <laughs> this, is all, this is all going a bit far. But I'd like to ring up and maybe Ben can help you with, help me with my my failure. I've got a Pistachia chinensis that's about four meters tall now, and post COVID, it started dying back on one side only. One side looks glorious, and the other side is just slowly dying back one branch at a time. Um, I've used a product from Neutrog called Populate, which is a biological fertiliser. Um, it doesn't seem to have done anything. don't know whether Ben's familiar with that product. It's probably not as good as his brews, but that's the only thing that I had sort of handy. Um, and I also started to have the same problem with one of my Cedrellas, but I ended up removing that anyway because it was not in the right spot, so... Any thoughts on, and please don't tell me it's Phytophthora. I don't want to know if it's Phytophthora. <laughs> no, I think the only thing you can really do at this stage is probably use um, use boron, but you want to foliar spray the boron. Um, boron and okay. then a day later, you want to actually foliar spray um, like a micronized liquid lime as well. Uh, and then if you can get your hands on some potassium silicate. So if you jump online, you can find where um, there is companies here in Victoria. You can buy, I think, five litre bottles of uh, potassium silicate um, yeah and then doing the same thing spraying that underneath the leaf and if you can get your hands on some fulvic acid so whatever you actually apply mix the fulvic acid with it because that's actually going to okay. chelate the, um, the the mineral that you're applying um, okay so what that's doing is that's just going to sort of help build the cell wall so it's going to thicken the cell wall um, uh, and because I don't know if there's a fungal problem happening there 
So it's sort of one of those things I'd probably need to sort of really sort of sort of see to sort of properly identify what's really going on. But um, yeah. best thing I think you can do now is to, to sort of try and build the immunity in the actual plant. So, okay. yeah. Doug, is it the um, you're mentioning that some branches are, are, are dying? Are they wilting and dying, or are they just not regreening uh, uh, so, coming into spring? Yeah, I mean, the symptoms are that um, when the branch puts on its new growth, some of that new growth then takes on a stunted appearance, wilts and dies, and then it dies back a bit, and then that process just continues mm. until that branch is, is basically completely dead. Yep. Um, but then you'll get then, new growth and, and then it'll happen again. Yes, that's right. Yeah. It's the, the the plant is compartmentalizing for some reason. It likes you know be, 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 it's not the whole thing which is dying. It's just individual branches. Yep. yep 100%. Um. It, how which is soil? Uh, pH is seven. It was really high when I when I started gardening here, which was about or oh, ten years ago. Um. But I've I've sort of got it down now. The last check I did on it, it was seven. I think mm. about seven. It, it, um, it, it sounds like a garden on one side of it. It's right on an edge of a garden, so there's garden on one side of it and there's lawn on the other. Rightio. Yeah. It sounds like a root. Whenever you get that sort of um, uh, you know, establishing trees, compartmentalising it, it, it's often it, well, it, it, it's mostly about roots. It's about yep. trying to stimulate good root activity and good root growth into the soil. So you know, to Ben's point. Um, you know, the landscape underground is what to look at here. So go back to using the microbes. Yep. If you get your hands on, yeah, brewing some microbes. So I've actually spoken about, um, was it lactobacillus or what you call more as EM, um, which is an effective microorganism. Um, so if you can sort of do that sort of process and sort of start building up your, your, um, your microorganisms in the soil and that helps to fight off a lot of the, those nasty sort of um, bacteria sort of fungal problems. Yes, well, that was my thinking with using this populate because um, Neutrog have been putting out some good products. Yeah, yeah. there, and I thought I'd try that one, but it's because it, it, it's, it's a microbe-based uh, fertilizer. But if you had molasses um, to it as well, because that's actually a really oh, good yeah, sort okay. of food source yeah. to it as well. Yeah, okay, yeah. molasses. Yeah, right. Yeah. Okay. Ben, you, you often hear people say, you know, use a liquid seaweed as a tonic. Yeah. You got views on the efficacy of that? Yeah, it is. It's it's another one that's going to stimulate um, bacterial life in the soil. So it, it has got beneficial sort of effects to the plant. But um, if you can apply the microorganisms and then add like a food source to it, where you could use a sea soil or a kelp or something like that with it, yeah, um, yeah that that just enhances the, those microbes. So in so, and of itself, it's okay. But if you if you're doing other things, mm, yeah, on, on top of, yeah, even better. Yep. Yeah, because I, 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 with my brew, I, we, I put the uh, an effective or a beneficial anaerobic microorganism in the soil, um, but I always add like a, a, a molasses and a bit of sea salt or something with it. So um, it's just that food source, and it just stimulates them. So when they get in the soil, they're off and running because they've got more food source there. So and they'll start affecting or, or producing the, the the minerals or solubilizing minerals out of the soil or. Uh, killing off any bad sort of pathogens that are in the soil as well. Cool. Yeah. All right. Good luck, Doug. Thanks. Yeah, thanks, <laughs> guys. And Merry Christmas, and thank you for all your time and effort for the show this year. Uh, we appreciate thank it. You all. Catch thanks you later. Very much. Bye. See you, guys. Bye. See ya.
All right, everyone's called and texting, and we've got 15 minutes to go. So we've got two calls to get to, team, and we'll say good Pressure. morning to Miriam in Croydon. You want to share a failure with us? Yes, I do. Firstly, thank you for your great gardening show. We learn so much from it every week and really enjoy it. Thank you very much. Yeah, it's a lot of effort and um, appreciate the time you give. So... We've got a dwarf nectarine that we planted 18 months ago as a bare-rooted nectarine and it's been put in the wrong spot, we realise, after all the rain and in the lowest point of the garden and it's had very wet feet and it's looking very sad and not making any progress. Mm -hmm. It's got about 20 leaves on it and three sticks. Struggling uh, along. Sorry? It's struggling along. It is definitely struggling so when would be the best time to move it please winter winter this Wait winter and because it's a, a new bare root it'll be easy and should, less stressful for the plant to move so just, yeah, yeah for sure just pop out yeah, yeah it should come out pretty easily and, and you know if you're struggling with the soil and finding the right spot for it pop it into a big pot yeah. i've got a dwarf nectarine in a large pot you know 50 centimeters by 40 by 50 um right. i picked two nectarines off it yesterday and they were beautiful oh. yeah could you okay. could you bear could you bear root at the end you wouldn't necessarily need to take a a, 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 a root ball no just bear root it bear again, root again. Yeah, yeah in winter okay yep. okay yeah that's well, really useful thank you very much indeed you're that's very great. welcome all right have a good day, Miriam. Merry Christmas. Thank you too. Bye. All right. Last call for the moment. Good morning to Roger and Berwick. Thank you for waiting. Oh, look, it's a pleasure, Chloe. You are a patient <laughs> man, Roger Elliott. Well, when dealing with people like you, Chloe, I have to be. Patient. Oh! <laughs> Bang! Burn. That was no. a burn. Bang. Is there a dump no. button? <laughs> yeah. oh. I'll, I'll take that all back. I, I I'm going to mute reading. you in a minute if you're not careful. <laughs> yes, you can do that quite easily. Yeah. <laughs> um, look, I was really ringing up for a couple of reasons. To second John's comments about the quality of the 3CR gardening show, um, you know, it's, it's really been great to have such diversity of presenters coming in and... Uh, Every show is interesting, as John was saying, and and, and I think it's been a, a great a great thing to do to have different hosts, you know. And so, congratulations to everybody Thank involved you. Oh, and, uh, and Virginia organising. Yeah. Is she the chief organiser? Yes, it's pretty. Dem- it's mainly democratic, but she keeps us all in line. Yeah, and we're, we're very well, thankful. Yeah. Yeah, no, yeah. That, that that's great. And uh, so it's it's really good. I was just going to ring in about also a success. Now we had Lord Howe Lill. I don't know if people know Lord Howe Lill. That's Daiti's Robinsoniana from Lovely. Lord Howe Island. Oh, beautiful. And it flowered for the first time after twenty five years. Oh, Whoa. Superb. And having been moved from another location to where we are now. So, to, to have that flower, that was just wonderful. That's exciting. But, but other people have them flower much earlier than that, so we've probably got it in the slightly wrong spot. <laughs> but but it was just great. And if people don't know Dietes Robinsoniana, it gets to about two metres high and about the same across. And you get these big uh, 
white with uh, yellow to orange markings on the throat on the flowers, which are about five to eight centimetres across. And one thing I didn't know, because we had it, you know, flowering for, flowered for about three months, I suppose, um, was I noticed that the, the flowers have a lovely floral perfume in the evening. And yes. the flowers actually stay open. Because um, oh, other deities will close, close up, the other species. Yeah, yeah. so it, they stay open during the night. And mm-hmm. undoubtedly moth pollinated. I, never, I was never able to find the moths there but um anyway so that was just a friend gave us a plant years ago planted it and lo and behold so there is a bit of need for patience sometimes in gardening yes there is (laughs) i mean you talk about tree time you don't really think about lily time um for flowerings but 25 years that's a that's a decent um uh a decent period yeah, well, the foliage has been beautiful, John, because it's it's got this, you know, large, quite large strut-like foliage and just get a wisp of a, a breeze and it blows. So it's a bit like a, a giant xantheria in that way. Nice. You know, yeah. they, they, they're beautiful as the wind blows through them. Mm. So, uh, yeah, no, that, that's been good. Um, another great thing that we had happened was we had our first spotted parvulate come to our bubbling rock. Oh, oh gorgeous. So, you know, they've been around, but they've never come and landed. So one came, so that that's good. And then as far as failures, we've had some mint bushes collapse all of a sudden after about 11 years. Mm. And they were beautiful because they used to protect our western wall from afternoon sun. Um, but, so, you know, these things happen. Yep. So we'll just plant something else. Did that? Was that yeah. just an age with them? Yeah, look, I, I think so. Once, once again, they got above fence height, and I can always remember people saying, oh, I grow Hakea Lorena, and once it gets a, above the, the fence, they blow over, and that was a common occurrence back in the dim, dark ages, and and I, I think they got up there, and probably we didn't um, prune them regularly enough, and uh, so they just mm. got a bit top-heavy, yeah. but they were in a very... They were planted in a, an area with probably only about 15 centimetres wide on a, a concrete retaining wall between the fence. So it was an, in a funny spot, but they, they did very well there. Um, so, yeah. But anyway, so those things happen. They do. They have happened. Things do happen yeah. in the garden. Yeah. yeah. And, Roger, that dietes, it, yeah. di- you normally think of dietes as being like a, a Southern African or a, an African genre. Yeah. Mm. It's an interesting distribution that there's yeah. a single <laughs> thing sitting on a single island. Yeah, isn't it? It's strange. I wonder whether there may be differences there. Um, so whether if somebody does look at them mm. in, in you know, real detail, oh, they, they might, they might end up... They might end up separating them, yeah. but, um, yeah, because I, I think it's much bigger than any other dietes, I think, from my knowledge. You know, it's, uh, they're, they're just so vigorous, but, uh, yeah, yeah, anyway. All right, Roger, thank you for calling in. Thank you for your kind oh. words, apart from the ones mean ones directed, directed at me. At, oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's quite okay. Yeah. Anyway, all, all, all the best. Thanks, thank you. Roger. Merry Christmas to you and Gwen. Catch you soon. You. Bye. Bye.
Okay, and another phone call, uh, Lorraine from Croydon. Good morning. Good morning. <clears throat> what a wonderful program it's been. If I could only remember all of that wonderful nutritional information. <laughs> You'll have to go back and re-listen to the episode on a podcast or on the 3CR website. I will do that. Good but idea. I wanted to make a comment about corn. Um, years ago, uh, when I lived at Wandon, I grew a super sweet corn from a reputable seed place just round the road from us. And uh, it was a super sweet, but it turned out to be dry and coarse and inedible. It was terrible. And that happened two years in a row. And, of course, I went back. And what they said was that it has cross-pollinated with mm. some other corn that's growing in a nearby um, property. Right. And it just turned out this terrible cross. So I thought that was interesting. Mm. Yeah, there you go. Mm. Definitely not what you want happening went, if you thought it was sweet. Went maze-like. Yeah. Yeah, it was maze-like. And yeah. sort of whatever it crossed with, it kind of threw back or something. Yep. But anyway, that was just an interesting little thing that happened. So anyway, have mm. a lovely Christmas and look forward to next year. Thank you very Thanks, much, Lorraine. Lorraine. You good. have a good Christmas Cheers, too. Lorraine. Bye. Thank you. Bye. All right, we've got only a few minutes left and a few Ooh. text messages to whip through. Oh, Guys, God, everyone, everyone round. slept Speed in round. this morning. I Speed reckon round. there were Christmas parties last yeah. night uh -huh. and everyone slept mm -hmm. in. Um, <laughs> listener Adrian, uh, question for finger lime. Something is eating the tips of the finger lime. Not much growth happening. Any thoughts? Dingy swallow, uh, dainty swallow tail, <laughs> possibly. Maybe. Might be worth uh, looking to see if there's caterpillars. Maybe. I wonder, it's probably a bit too prickly for possums to eat. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, okay. Possums and their weird taste buds. <laughs> yeah. yeah, could be possums. Um, okay. A listener Martin has asked about moving a bare-rooted uh, dwarf fruit tree. Um same as advice to a listener earlier, Martin, um, in winter, you should be able to move it easily. Yep. Don't forget to take some off the top as well when you, you know, yep. cut it back when you... And if it. there are any roots, um, as with the previous call, it, it, it sounded like the sort of roots were, were rotting, you'd be pruning those roots yep. to back to healthy, healthy root tissue. Yeah. Yep. 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 Top and bottom prune. Top and bottom. Yep. Uh, Roche in Belgrave Heights has a question about figs. They have a Smyrna type fig that obviously needs is wasp pollinated they've also got a capri fig to support the wasps with male flowers and pollen do the wasps come naturally or do they need to introduce them no i don't think there's been a problem we've got figs yeah. on our property and yeah and we've never had to plant them and they will come they yeah will come. Yeah, yep. yeah yep for sure yep because they do release a a, a a fragrance i mean often when you're walking around and, and you can get a a huge waff of fig mm. um, yes. well that's actually the the plant attracting those 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 beneficial insects yep. so it, it is just worth taking 20 seconds just to talk about the phenomenon of uh, a fig being pollinated inside yeah rather than sort of a, a, a an out in the open pollination process it, it's remarkable. It is. Yep. Yep. It's next level evolution or it something, is, isn't, isn't it? It, it is. Yeah. Really is. It really <laughs> yeah, is. it really is. Uh, would not a vegetarian food. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, Vicky from Notting Hill. Peter and Vicky from Notting Hill um, 
have said that there's some Dietes robinsoniana flowering in the Melbourne Botanic Gardens and mm-hmm. quite a few at Monash Uni at the moment. Um, walking a, a walk around, they recommend a walk around the Monash Uni grounds as the gardens are absolutely great, and I agree with you. Mm, uh, fan- stunning, fantastic, and yeah. uh, another Paul Thompson in, input. Paul's yep. had uh, design input into that yep. for many, many years. It's yep. great. Um, Merry Christmas to Peter and Vicky. You guys message in almost every week, so um, and I've met you a couple of times this year, so thank you very, very much. Um, another listener messaged in, um, one of my friends, Jacinta. She's tuning in from a hospital bed this morning. So oh, all the best wishes to Jacinta. And we bought a lot of lime trees for her and her family recently, so some uh, macroot limes. Ooh. Uh, so they're all going very well. Sending love to you, Jack. Um, Friends of the Merry Creek has messaged in and saying, Merry Christmas and thanks for promoting their events throughout this year um, and keep your 2024 events coming, guys. How are we going for time? We're still, we're still, we're still got enough time. A couple of minutes. <laughs> Take a breath, Chloe. <laughs> <laughs> um, Paul, who messaged in earlier about hibiscus, um, Another further question to that, uh, can we recommend any good reference material for pruning hibiscus or hibiscus advice? I've not really, I've not come across oh, anything. Sorry, I don't know. So, I know there was a Gardening Australia episode where they had a story about hibiscus yep. and a lady had, God, like a hundred of them in her yep. front yard. So maybe Google Hibiscus Gardening Australia. Gardening Australia. Go back and check out that app. Yep. Yeah, that was a good one because it, yeah, it was specifically about pruning. Yep. yep. Mm. Beautiful. Thank you, Chloe. That's okay. Um, I think that's all the text messages that we've gotten through. Woohoo! And <laughs> okay. all right. Um, now, before I completely wrap up, um, one of our hosts, the lovely Emma, is about to have her first baby in February. So, from everyone, all the listeners, all the panelists, and all of us hosts, wish Emma and her partner James a very healthy, safe delivery and everything um, that comes with that. Yeah. We wish you all mm, the best. Congratulations. Sure. So exciting. Very exciting. Um, so, all, yeah, all the best, Emma. And we love you and we're looking forward to having you back whenever that happens. And I, and I hope you get a baby that's a sleeper. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I want to say big thank you to all of our producers this year. You guys come in, give up your Sunday mornings and keep us in line. They answer the phones and help troubleshoot other technical stuff and do all the text messages for us as well. So thank you so much because it is so vital. You guys are absolutely vital to this gardening show and this radio show running. So thank you very much. To our panellists that come in and also give up your Sunday mornings. Um, sometimes we're a bit dusty, and <laughs> but we still get through. And it's, <laughs> <laughs> and it's just, it's still so much fun. I absolutely love chatting to every single one of you that are in front of me and all the other panellists that come in every single, um, every week. Um, it's, it's such a joy and I, it is such a privilege for me too. Oh, it's just amazing. Straight so, back at you, Virginia. Exactly. Um, AB, AB, and Emma. M. Thanks, yep. John. Straight Thank back you. at you. Yeah, hundred yeah, percent. Thank you, everyone, and listeners. We wouldn't the show wouldn't work the way that it does without all of you guys texting in, without you guys calling in, um, coming to the events that we've had this year, and supporting us through Radiothon and supporting the station as well. So, 
it just this show wouldn't work without it. So thank you to everyone. Yep. If you celebrate Christmas, have a very, very Merry Christmas and um, a very Happy New Year. Absolutely. And we'll see you later. Bye. See ya. Bye. See ya. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.